You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Studio 89.7. This talk program focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. And now, here's your host, Philadelphia radio veteran, Paul Perello. In 1989, there was a movie that came to the screens that completely changed animation, and in particular, Disney animation. The Little Mermaid is credited for jump-starting what was pretty much a dying business for the Walt Disney Studios. Lo and behold, came this little movie in 1989 by the name of The Little Mermaid, and the rest, they say, is history. Giving voice to Ariel, The Little Mermaid, is my guest today, Jody Benson. Jody, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Well, I appreciate you having me, Paul. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to get to chat. Can you believe it's been more than 30 years I know. I've been with the company over 35 years now. So wow. it's been an incredible journey. It really has. It's been just unbelievable. Jody joins us to talk about her new book. And it's a fascinating book. And you really have to pick up a copy of the book because you will be thoroughly entertained, uh, motivated, inspired. Part of My World by Jody Benson. It's available uh, in bookstores online at Jody's website. What prompted you, Jody, to decide to pretty much tell all about your life? Well, actually, I never wanted to write a book in a million years. It was not on my agenda at all and no interest. <laughs> I, uh, oh my goodness, that just was a frightening idea. Um, Tyndale Publishing came to me in February of 2020 and I said, absolutely not. Thank you so much for thinking of me, but no, <laughs> this is not This is not something that that I am really feeling like I need to be part of anything like that. And um, and they came back in March and said, well, what if we kind of, you know, make it a little collection of stories? Because I was like, I'm not doing an autobiography, a memoir. That's just so kind of self-absorbed. I didn't want to write things about myself. It just uh, not appealing to me at all. And um, so I started to just record with uh, Carol my, my co-writer, I, it, it's not pen to paper. It's just me recording, telling some stories. And so we did that in March for the next four or five months. And then they kind of sent me back a little rough first draft in October. And I read it and I went, no, nope, this isn't, uh, this isn't what I am feeling comfortable with. And again, the focus is back on me and I don't want this type of autobiography thing, you know, this tell all, I just, it's just not interesting to me at all. And I don't think it'll be interesting to anybody else, quite honestly. And it was finally, we kind of came to an agreement in November of that year of 2020 to just do this collection of little stories. It's not chronological. You can pick up the book, read one little story and put it back down for the next three months, honestly. And Mm -hmm. And so it was more of to shine the light on other people like Howard Ashman and Disney. It's like a big thank you letter, thanking the people along the journey of my life, but not the focus is is not about me. And of course, I share a bunch of mistakes I make and um, I share 
just who I am and and my faith and trying to get through this crazy thing called life. And, um, but definitely not where I have this sense of, oh, well, gee, I, I know so much, or I have some wisdom to share because I don't. Uh, but it was more of just this collection of little thank you notes is kind of the way that I looked at it. And I, I, I told Tyndale, I said, you know, this is not a Christian book and this is, um, just something that I, if people pick it up and this was kind of my, I guess my feeling about sharing it was if one person, one person were to pick up the book, read one little story and feel either encouraged, uplifted, or maybe they stopped to think about something like, oh, that's interesting. What's that all about? Or if they read about my million mistakes and tried to do something different than what I did, then I felt like if one person read it and felt one of those three things or one of those three things they were able to experience, then it will have been worth it to me. Um, so that's that's kind of the way I've, I've looked at it. But it definitely was not my plan. You should be commended because there aren't many stars that are out there that really put it out on the table. It's very rare, especially that there are superstars like yourself that actually share a side of their life, like their faith and their spirituality and their belief in God and how blessed and fortunate you are. It's not that often that we hear people tell that side of the story. They talk about the fame and the fortune and the celebrity and all that, but really we don't hear that much about their their spirituality. Well, I think... I think it's um, challenging to be vulnerable and authentic and real with people. And I've just learned through the years with the people that have poured into me that that's the only way to live, you know, for me is to, is to live in an authentic lifestyle and and to be vulnerable and to share my, my many, many mistakes. Um, Again, I, I did not think it was necessary for me to share these stories, but it was a, a, a dear friend of mine, Susan Egan, also a, a Disney um, voiceover actress and Broadway, who kind of said to me, she's like, you know, Jody, I think you have to take the focus and stop thinking that it's your book, because I don't think it's about you. I think you've shared some behind the scenes stories, especially like Howard Ashman, where if you didn't share those stories, they would be lost forever because no one else knows them. Sure. And she said, I think you need to shift your thought about, gosh, I, I, I feel embarrassed. I feel like everyone's eyes are on me. And gosh, I just, oh, I, I really didn't want to do this. Um, two, why don't you think about all the wonderful, I'm thinking about my voice teacher in Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. Nobody knows of Steve. Nobody knows of, of my voice teacher except the handful of students that he's had over the course of his life. But he was such a huge integral part of my life. I get to shine the light on him. I get to say thank you because that's where it all started was when I was 17 and I was in that vocal studio with him. That's when I realized like, maybe I'm going to give this a try. Now, had I not had him as a teacher, I don't know if my life would be the same. So Susan was right. You know, I need to think about how it's shedding light on others. And then that makes it more palatable for me. You mentioned Howard Ashman, uh, another brilliant talent. Unfortunately, 
gone too soon, but it was uh, Howard's encouraging you uh, while you were in New York to audition for this movie, which no one had heard of at the time, The Little Mermaid. Howard wrote, you know, the lyrics and, and, and gave life to the pieces of papers, the words on the page through his brilliant uh, ability. And then ultimately, you really gave life to those words in the character of Ariel. Yeah, it's it's really all Howard. You know, when I, I was doing a Broadway show called Smile with him and with Marvin Hamlish, and the show tragically closed with the uh, Frank Rich New York Times review. And Howard was working on Mermaid at the time with all the Disney executives, and they came to see the show and came backstage to meet me. They were very lovely because I sang a song called Disneyland that was written for my character. So, of course, they loved that song, being Disney family and members. And uh, so when the show closed, I think, honestly, I think Howard felt sorry for us. He felt responsible that we all lost our jobs. He wore and bore the weight of that tragedy, really, the, the loss. And of course, he didn't need to, wasn't his fault, um, but he felt very responsible. So he invited a handful of us girls to audition for Mermaid, honestly, to have something to do. You know, mm-hmm. we lost our jobs. And so none of us ever thought we'd even be considered for it. I mean, I'd never been behind a mic, I didn't know voiceover, but it was something to do, it was something to look forward to. Sure. And so when I went to the audition in New York and with a reel-to-reel tape with Albert Tavares, who was our assistant director for Smile and Howard's assistant casting associate for Mermaid. And so I just went in and had a blast with my friend, you know, and I thought, well, this was a fun day after some, you know, pretty sad times of losing our jobs and going to collect unemployment and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, a year later, get a call that I got the job. I'm like, no, no, there's no way. I mean, you've got hundreds and hundreds of, professional voiceover artists, you've got celebrities, you've got this, that. there's no way that you want me. I mean, come on, that's just crazy. And they were like, no. And so I started working with Howard and he became my director and Ron and John, our directors of the feature film, kindly let him just come in the studio with me. He stood right next to me and I just imitated him. Everything that he did with the song, everything he did with the lines, I just did what he did. And, uh, he just coached me through each and every step. So it's the second golden age of animation is really rests in Howard's brilliance because he insisted on bringing Alan with him. Mm-hmm. That was a non-negotiable. And, um, and that's that. I mean, wow. they did it. They, yeah. they, they brought back animation to the Disney studio. It's hard to imagine life today in 2022 without Disney animation. And here we are at this critical time in the late 80s where the studio itself, the company itself was going through this you know, challenging time. And then everything pretty much rested on this animated feature that was, uh, that was being yeah. released. And after the success of Mermaid and all the other Disney films that came thereafter, I mean, animation in the general sense is back bigger and better than ever with a number of studios now who would right. otherwise ab- otherwise would have abandoned the genre yeah. now producing animated films. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He, he didn't just change the face of animation for the Disney studio, for our studio. He changed the face of animation around the world forever. 
in every area. And now, you know, it's unbelievable. But back then, you know, we were in a really critical time. One thing that I like, I mean, there are many things that I like about the book, and I do encourage people uh, to get out and purchase the book. But one thing that I like is that every chapter of the book sort of borrows a line from Ariel in The Little Mermaid. And and I I sort of find that humorous. And I'm sure (laughs) many other Disney fans and Little Mermaid fans will thoroughly enjoy that too. But there may be some other people that just read the, the heading of the chapter and just dive into the chapter, but uh, you should yeah. be applauded for that because I think that's uh, that's wonderful. It's brilliant to do something well, like that. I cannot take the credit for that. That <laughs> is Carol Traver, my um, editor and writer, uh, my, my right-hand friend who walked me through this, literally walked me through this journey and listened to hours upon hours upon hours of recordings with me and basically it was like a five-month interview, mm. and she came up with this idea, and she ran it by me. She's like, what if we grab pieces of lyrics from songs that are part of your life? I was like, wow, that's really amazing. So we used part of your world. I think we used uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls. I think we used um, Tonight from West Side Story. And I'll have to look through. I haven't looked at the book in a while. Uh, But anyways, they're all songs that have some kind of connection with me in my life. And I just thought that was brilliant. And it is. It's kind of like a little Easter egg, a little inside joke. You would have to kind of know the songs to pick it up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's fun. uh, It was fun. When, um, you know, when you look back now at the book, and I know you've been promoting this book for quite some time, a lot of people would say it was uh, cathartic, it was exhausting, it was, you know, a work of passion. I mean, is there, is there, when you sit back and now look at this book, uh, can, you, can you sum up your feelings as to the <laughs> end result of, of this project? Well, it's funny, I just got the book. Um, and the box came and I was very nervous to open it up because I hadn't seen it. Right. I mean, I, I'd seen images of the cover. I had seen images, obviously, of the manuscript. And I had gone through with my daughter in love, uh, like 15 boxes of photos from my life. And we handpicked some photos, but we didn't know what the layout was going to look like or really understand what the captions were going to be like. And so I opened the box and um, the whole family was, you know, kind of like tentative with me, like, oh, my gosh, what's this going to be? And it was um, a million emotions all at once. It was fear, uh, feeling overwhelmed, um, feeling... Happy is not one of the words. And and the reason why, because again, it's not one of these projects where, gosh, I wrote a book and I'm so happy and I'm going to jump up and down like a cheerleader. It's not that kind of a feeling for me. It was because it was something I never planned on doing. uh, It's way out of my comfort zone. So when you do something outside of your comfort level, you do it scared. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's like, I did this book, but I did this book scared. And so it's not this jump up and down. It's more of like a, 
kind of a quiet contentment of like, okay, I did this really hard thing and I did it while I was frightened. So, but I did it. So it's, there's this little sense of kind of accomplishment of doing something really hard. And it's been a long time in my life since I've done something like that, where I'm not necessarily jumping up and down. I'm not necessarily filled with joy and happiness and that's okay. But I did something that was incredibly difficult and I did it while I was scared. And I don't know, there's just a sense of like, it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of how I felt. So opening the book was not probably like you would see a, an author doing their unboxing video where they're jumping up and down and, Ooh, you know, like it wasn't, <laughs> it was, for me, it was like, wow, wow, this is real. Like this is happening. I'm freaking out. I'm like so overwhelmed. I was very emotional. I was crying, looking at the pictures laid out for the first time. It was just, uh, it was overwhelming. That was, that was the feeling that came across. But again, if one person picks it up and feels something of encouragement, I hope, or I don't know, then it, it will have been worth the challenge. You're underestimating your own talent. And that's okay. I understand that. But this book does offer not only an insight into Jody Benson, her life, her times, her family, her friends, but a lot of people will be inspired. And I said that at the beginning of the of the interview. It, it's hard to believe that they wouldn't be. But again, I think that inspiration allows people who might just be having a rough day, a rough time. Uh, hey, look, the past two and a half years have been anything but easy. And so just escaping uh, into your world a little bit um, and sort of seeing what your life is like and how you've handled different situations and where you are. I think that type of uh, inspiration is invaluable to a person, whether you're a Disney fan, whether you're a Little Mermaid fan, or just looking for a good book. I truly believe that this book offers a lot to people. And it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a thriller. It's not one of those, you know, blockbuster type books. They're going to get turned into a, a mega movie, but Deep down inside, this book is so powerful on so many different levels. Oh, that's very incredibly kind of you to say. That's that's very sweet. Your words are very sweet. I, I do I do appreciate that. Yeah, I, I you know, I um, it's out there. It's going to be out there. You know, September thirteenth. I can't stop it. So now <laughs> I just have to kind of ride the wave and just take a deep breath and let it go because I, I did my part. I did what I felt was the right thing to do and, and share some of these stories. And now I can just let, let that all go and let it get out there. And if somebody grabs it, that's awesome. And if they don't, that's awesome too. It's okay. Yeah. It's really okay. So what's, what's next for you? Because you are still very active with the Disney company. I mean, you just, you know, sailed on the Disney wish. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, you're, uh, I guess to go back to the, you know, some of the other uh, stars of Disney animation of a bygone era uh, who may not have gotten the recognition that they deserved. Uh, mm-hmm. They sort of like just blended into the woodwork after a while. And there weren't that many um, people out in front, you know, sharing their talents, but you've right. been pretty much out there. Uh, as an ambassador for the for the Disney company, you were named a Disney legend. So it's it's refreshing to see 
that uh, somebody like you, you're out there and you're still actively involved with the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, the plan was to not let anyone know who we were. We The original plan for Mermaid was to do what Walt had desired, which is to disappear and to not focus on who's behind the mic, but focus on the character. And it wasn't until about seven or eight weeks before we premiered that I got a call from Disney saying, we're sending you on press tour. And I said, why? <laughs> and they said, because this is taking us in a different place now. This is something new. And this movie is being so well received. We're going to try something different. And so I went to 22 cities in 20 days. Wow. And the connection between my face, my name, and the character became embedded. And that's when my life changed because I was just going back to New York to do eight shows a week. No one would ever know unless you bought the VHS and you stopped the frame and you could figure out who's who. <laughs> but that, so that's when everything changed. Um, so yes, you're right. We, we were supposed to disappear into ambiguity. That was the plan. That's what we were told. It was a one and done. It was never supposed to be part of my life for 35 years. Now, obviously it's taken this incredible journey and I am so grateful and so thankful that we took a right turn, you know, because I'm, I'm just love my job. Yes. I'm in the studio all the time. Ariel is alive and kicking and flipping her fins. And uh, we have lots of wonderful projects and product that comes out with the film. So that's exciting. And, um, I am, I, I christen all of our ships. I do all of our entertainment cruises, our media voyages. I do corporate events for both Disney World and Disneyland. I do private events for both locations, uh, which I absolutely love. Um, I sing with symphonies all around the world, which I absolutely love, do concerts. And, um, you know, I'm working on a new series uh, called Wing Feather Saga. So we're in the midst of the sixth seasons. We just finished season one, which I'm very thankful for. Um, and then I travel around the world meeting people uh, that Ariel has touched their life for all these years through uh, conventions, you know, yeah. through comic cons, which are, which is something I just started doing recently uh, as an empty nester. And it's been so much fun to go for a weekend and hear people's stories. And I love it. I love to hear where they were the first time they saw the film, what were they wearing, who were they with, how their room was decorated. They show me pictures of their childhood and here's their grandchildren now. And so it's three generations of people that come to my table to meet and greet and take a photo and sign an autograph. And they're just lovely. And it's just such a beautiful thing that I get to be a little piece of history of their story. And I take it very seriously. You know, it's it's quite an honor to be part of someone someone's core memory of their childhood. Yeah. And it's it's really quite magical. And um yeah, so that's it's awesome. You know, I am not um I, I just I count my blessings that I, I'm able to continue working with my favorite people in the world, which is at my company. So I'm heading out to D23. We've got three jam-packed days of incredible events at D23. And one of my favorite things to be a part of, because you've got Disney fans from all over the world. 
And then all the surprises that we have, you know, announcing different films and different television series, tons of celebrities show up that you just don't expect. And so I'm really excited. We haven't had one since before the world shut down. We had our last one in um, August of 2019, which I was there for our 30th anniversary, hosting our big event, um, which was fantastic. And yeah, so it's all good. I'm very grateful. There's going to be a live action movie on the big screen, The Little Mermaid. So again, it's uh, sort of Disney reimagining these classic stories that we've come to love. Any chance that Jodie Benson might have a cameo in that live action version? No, no, there isn't. But I am part of the publicity team. So I have already done some um, interviews and getting ready for our press events and uh, fully supporting and, you know, being part of the family as we're excited to be able to share this movie with everyone. I'm sure there's not a day that goes by that you don't sit back and thank God and thank Howard Ashman for uh, encouraging you to go for that audition. Did you ever stop to think, what if? What if I didn't go to that audition? What if I didn't get the part? Yeah, well, I think about if, if Smile had not gotten that bad review and had we have run for three or four years, I don't think he would have invited us to the audition. So that's the, that's the first thing I think of. I think if that, and that was such a painful time. It was such a sad time to lose our jobs when we had so much hope for our show that we'd been working on for years. And I think through the ashes, through the sadness, through the grief, through the sorrow, there's always beauty that rises up. And that's just amazing because I really don't think we would have been invited to the audition had the show been a hit. So that's kind of where it all started. It's, it is, yeah. it's beautiful, but I do, I'm very grateful. And I sing the song every week and have been for 35 years. Um, no more than that. 36 years. I've been singing the song and every time I sing it in front of public people, anybody, I always give thanks and honor to Howard and to remember his legacy. And I sing it the exact same way that he taught me how to sing it in the film. One other thing before I let you go is that what's amazing about Disney animation, and even back when this whole movie was coming together, is that all of the stars, like yourself and Pat Carroll, you all didn't necessarily record in the same room together. You sort of recorded your individual parts alone, and then the magic that is Disney managed to mesh it all together. We actually did something that's never been done before at that time. We all got together because of Howard and treated it like a Broadway musical. So we did a read through all together and we recorded the first two days together with plexiglass in between us in order to establish the relationships and get the chemistry going. And that was Howard Mm -hmm. because he treated it like a staged musical. So we did have the gift of getting to work together those first few days. Then those relationships were established And then we could start recording by ourselves according to scheduling and stuff like that. What do you hope people take away, readers take away from your book, Part of My World? If they decide to pick it up, um, I'll hope that they feel encouraged and maybe challenge them to think about something outside of the box and then maybe not make the same mistakes I did. 
Yeah, I think that would be good. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for your time. It has been a pleasure. And I'm sure you don't remember, but this is the third time that I've actually interviewed you. So oh, it's wow. uh, it was on a press event at Walt Disney World. And then when you were out doing press for the, I think, the VHS release. And yeah. so awesome. I, uh, it's it's been a pleasure to catch up with oh, you. Nice. Continued success, best of luck, and all the best wishes with this book. Oh, you're so sweet, Paul. Thank you so much. It's lovely that we got to chat again. And uh, I just really appreciate your time and your support and your kindness. And all the best to you and your listeners. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that, Jody. The name of the book is Part of My World, now available in bookstores. And my thanks to Jody Benson. Thank you, Paul. You've been listening to Studio 89.7, a monthly program that focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. Please tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Studio 89.7, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.